All right, test your audio out. Make some noise. All right. Uh, I hold this movie in a place of contempt that very few films have matched. I'll, I'll list a few of my grievances with the film. I have some opinions as well, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is just from Reddit. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Jason. And I'm Blake. And I'm glad to be back again. It's been a little bit of time before we uh, are between recording here. It's been a crazy month. It has been. Uh, that happens in the summer, right? Yeah, you get yeah. busy with stuff, but we're here. We're doing it live. Not for to you. To see the video, <laughs> you know where to find it. The video of us doing it live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one went over my head, but oh well. Um, it's Marilyn Monroe month for us and you now. Yes. We're doing two Marilyn Monroe movies as an actress or actor month uh, for August. And we decided to, we kind of landed on Marilyn Monroe because she's an extraordinarily important person in American culture. Yeah, um, pop culture, movies. Yeah, mostly pop culture. Yeah. And uh, so... Basically, we really wanted to go where no millennial or Gen Z has gone before and actually watch a movie that has Marilyn Monroe in it because everybody knows about her, but not many people have actually seen one of her movies. Yeah, uh, this is the first Marilyn Monroe movie that I've ever seen. Same. It's interesting that we ended up on the seven-year itch, which we'll get into maybe the backstory. Well, we'll get into the backstory of that later and why it's such an important movie in her film history as well. But as I'm going to get to a little bit later, I don't know if this is um, necessary Marilyn Monroe watching. I see where it's debatable. Yeah. Well, it, we are watching, but yeah. there's not much else. <laughs> yeah. And... I think with the second part of this series, when we do uh, Some Like It Hot, I think that's going to be the movie of Marilyn Monroe's career that I'm, it is the most excited yeah. I am to see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyway, we're starting with a seven-year itch, and before we get into plot, though, we have something important and exciting to announce. Uh, we're doing a great movie draft, the great movie draft of 2022. Fucking right. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this. This is a concept that you and I have been working on for a little while now. And we're actually going to have one other person, uh, our buddy Mike, on the podcast as well as a special guest. And we're going to actually pick different categories at random. And then you have to tie together three movies based on the category you get and essentially sell each other and the audience on why you should check out these three films and maybe check them out in order and or, or other ways like, to check them out yeah, or experience like them. How, how interconnected they are. And like There's probably going to be a like grading system, sort of, maybe. Yeah, and we'll do like a, a viewer vote as well. I'm really looking forward to this. I think this is going to be a really fun experience. So let's give Mike a call and see if we can get a hold of him, and then we can uh, do the draft here. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? You are on the podcast right now, and we are about to do the draft portion of uh, the great 2022 movie draft. Um, so we got to outline some rules, though, before we get started. Can you hear me, Mike? Uh, yeah, barely. Okay, cool. Um, so we've got our categories here. 
We've got franchise, wildcard, year, genre, actor, actress, director, and my personal favorite, six seasons in a movie. Um, so most of those don't need explanation. Um, actually, maybe I'll read out the rules first before I explain six seasons in a movie. The, the rules of the draft are we pick these categories at random, and then you must do three movies of the category. Two of those three movies have to be over 20 years old. You have five minutes per movie during our draft discussion uh, episode. episode. Yeah, to basically uh, pitch your movies and explain like why you should watch them, maybe some cool facts about them, what order you should watch them in, that kind of thing. And we'll rotate through, do each one of them, do one by one kind of thing. Uh, make sure you have a cool explanation for why you why you went the direction that you did at the beginning and i think that's more or less it that's pretty straightforward um six seasons in the movie we should explain it sorry what do you say you guys want me to pay the category for the next podcast uh so this is going to happen probably in late september we'll give ourselves about a month to watch your movies come up with your plan and then write everything down and get ready so we've got a bit of time for this. What I was going to say, before we pick categories, because we're just going to pick them at random, is Six Scenes in a Movie is a community slash Rick and Morty reference. Um, essentially, the way that this one's going to work is you have to pick an older TV show that either was based on a movie or had a movie come out um, after or during the TV show, and then do your or your part on that and you have to try to watch in a month six seasons if that tv show has six seasons there's some cool stuff out there for this as well um yeah so do i i'm actually really excited about this we'll see if one of us gets it or not all right so i'm gonna toss all of the pieces of paper into my hat here i'm gonna put you down for a sec mike all right. And we're letting Jason pick first. <laughs> he kind of died as you put him down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're letting Jason pick first, and then uh, you and I will pick after. I got genre. Ooh, that's exciting. I said that very weird. Genre is what I meant to say. I said John. John Ra. Genre. Genre the actor. <laughs> <laughs> the famous John Ra. <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually was really excited about that one. That was one of my top picks for what I wanted in here because, um, I'm a big sci-fi nerd and I totally would have picked weird sci-fi movies. I think I've got a whole other direction for this. Nice. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Mike, do you want to go next or should I pick for myself? Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Director. Ooh, that's exciting. All right, we've got some cool stuff. I I shouldn't go John Carpenter, but I want to go John John Carpenter or Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> but we'll see. Sorry, what's that? I have a feeling you're gonna go John Carpenter. <laughs> no, I uh, I I'm gonna try really hard not to go John Carpenter because <laughs> we've already done a John Carpenter movie. But anyway, all right, Mike, it's uh your turn here. Jason's gonna pick for you. All right. He got wild card. Wild card. Nice. Oh. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. That's really exciting. So what's wild card again? Does that mean I can just do whatever I want? 
do literally whatever you want. Just tie three movies together however you want to tie them together. Um, try not to be like, this is three of the same director kind of thing. Yeah, like, make yeah. it interesting. Make it spicy. Okay, okay, I can do that. Find some crazy connections or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I came up with a couple different ideas. We get, we could always talk later, but I don't, I don't want to poison your mind with some of my ideas either, necessarily. Yeah, I'll send you all the details later. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Awesome. And when, when are we shooting this again? Um, uh, probably okay. mid September is when we'll record. Yeah, you got about a month from here, maybe a little bit more, like probably five weeks to six weeks. Okay. Yeah, Mike, we're pumped cool. to have you on the podcast. Yeah, no, I think it'll be a lot of fun. You are literally yeah. the most qualified person here to be on a movie podcast talking about movies, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember watching your uh, your Thing podcast back in October and just listening to it and being like, oh, they sound like they're having a lot of fun. I wish I was on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like to hear. Yeah. We're we're trying to have as much fun as possible since we're not making any money at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, hey, there you go. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to let you go because we have a whole episode to record. You sure do. What are you recording today? Uh, the Seven Year Itch. Marilyn Monroe's, like, most one of her oh, most shit. famous movies. Oh, damn. Yeah, we're doing a Marilyn Monroe month. Right, right. Okay. All right, well, have fun with that. And, uh... Yeah, I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, sounds good. Talk to you later. Thanks, man. See ya. Really excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm more pumped than I was when we were discussing it. Yeah. I'm extra pumped. Now that you have your, like, idea, like, Mm -hmm. where you're going with it, like, the wheels are already spinning, right? Yeah, yeah. So, let's dive back into the seven-year itch and bring it back to Marilyn Monroe here. Uh, So, do you want to get started with the plot? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing the seven-year itch. Came yes. out in 1955. Yeah. It's a hot New York summer. All the women and children are shipped off uh, for vacation to the lakes, and the men, including our main character, Richard Sherman, have to stay, stay back and make money. With the freedom this brings, the men devolve into uh, a bachelor lifestyle, drinking, smoking, partying. Richard is not going to be that guy this summer. He has faithfully... He has been faithfully married for seven years. Everything is going well until the innocent and sexy girl, Marilyn Monroe, moves in upstairs and he finds himself needing to scratch an itch he didn't know he had. Nice. I like it. I like it. The other thing to maybe add to this is uh, Richard has a very, very large imagination. Yeah. And a lot of the film is really diving into his fantasies and his imagination and and how that sometimes can get way out of hand. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm sure living with somebody like this would be quite cartoonish uh at times yeah and on it well i want to say that that's it's fairly accurate going into the minds of uh men at certain points so like there's a lot to discuss there yeah it's really interesting um there might be some outdated ideas because we are looking at a 1955 movie which Mm. at this point is what almost 70 years old Um, More, more than yeah yeah 
which is wild. Oh, n- almost. Yeah, yeah almost okay, 70. Never mind, yeah. All right, I did my math right. <laughs> I was I, scared there for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do the math, I'll do the uh, grammar. Okay, <laughs> yes, that's a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it's one of Marilyn Monroe's most important movies, Part of that reason, and I think I think we can talk about it now, is because this is the movie that has the skirt blowing up scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to spoil it quite yet, although what I'm going to say, though, is it's not what you expect it to be. And it's actually, I think, the, the scene became more important after the fact and yeah, through other so. mediums rather than through visualization through the movie. It's kind of almost like it reminded me of the Darth Vader, uh, yeah. no, I am your father, Luke, yeah. I am your father kind yeah. of thing. Where, That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, where what this movie's remembered for isn't actually portrayed the way that it that people it remember it to for. Be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so before we get to characters and people you may know, there is uh, maybe a little bit of a warning. warning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just keep in mind that this movie came out in the 50s and there are some things that don't hold up to society's standards yeah. anymore. Yeah. So uh, at the very beginning of the movie, there is a um, portrayal of uh, indigenous, indigenous peoples by white actors and it isn't exactly appropriate anymore uh so just a heads up going into that and then just i guess the the ideals or the the concepts that are portrayed in this movie are quite misogynistic yeah and um and part of that was by design yeah like men look kind of foolish as well yeah so so there's a lot and and like women look like it's not portraying women super well yeah but it isn't it actually isn't that disrespectful either because they're like for example his wife she's like more realistic and in the movie in certain parts yeah like obviously when his imagination gets a little wild yeah like not necessarily but yeah but like when she's sitting there in the courtyard with him yeah um she's like a real person so i there's there's good mixed in and with some bad yeah it's at the end of the day it's just it's the times it was different times back then you can still appreciate things from a different time and recognize that there are things that were wrong. There were things that were wrong and that we've we've developed and grown as a society to realize that we shouldn't be doing some of those things. Yeah. So let's talk characters and people you may know. Obviously, we're going to start with Marilyn Monroe. She plays the girl, the girl who lives upstairs. She actually... <laughs> She actually doesn't have name in the movie, although there is a really funny reference raider that I don't want to spoil. Mm. Um, Do you to... say raider or later? Later. <laughs> yes, later. Okay, I didn't know if we were raiding something. Okay, continue. We were raiding the Lost Ark. <laughs> and this is actually the highest grossing film of her career. This is kind of the one of the, the first peak in her career, and then... It, we get kind of a couple years of some big Marilyn Monroe movies. She's extremely important to the 50s culture. And then things tragically go very south for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was one thing that I didn't realize when we started doing Marilyn Monroe's uh, movie month. That her life was a lot more tragic than I could have imagined. Yeah, um, yeah. 
I, I was pretty sad, honestly, like reading about her, all of the events of her life. And uh, you don't, you don't see any of it in her character in this movie or the character that she portrays to the world. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's very, um, apt. I think like looking back now, it you, we see that so many times, especially in the past, like decade of all the new movements that have been, uh, yeah. and like the, it seems to be a cycle yeah, that Hollywood yeah. continues to unfortunately repeat. And she was probably the first big case of this happening or the first memorable one in modern history. There, yeah. This cycle's probably been going on for a long time. Yeah, um, like, it, I can't really name too many actresses before her time. Like, she's the one that everybody knows. If you yeah. if you ask anybody, like, on the street who's, like, an old, old-time old actress. She Marilyn would be Monroe, number one, yeah. easily. And um, most people don't know too much about her story, really. Yeah. Or her movies. Yeah. Um, so going into her character a bit more. She kind of plays like the, uh, well, she's playing an actor who's moved to New York uh, for the summer and she's renting the apartment above Richard's. She plays like a... Innocent, yeah. ditzy, um, young, she's 22. Mm-hmm experience in a lot of ways but very inexperienced and naive in so many others yeah and she's like and she's the bombshell right like she's like a sex symbol even in this within the idea of this movie Mm -hmm. um she she comments on how guys are like always trying to marry her yeah asking her to marry them and yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and and that's something that we see richard trying to hold himself back from doing while he's Mm -hmm. married with a uh with a child already um married with child (laughs) i don't know why i said it like that um her her character is really fascinating and she brings a lot of charisma to her role. Like there are aspects of this film that I don't necessarily love or maybe the medium of the story doesn't quite work for me, but the highlight of this film is absolutely her portrayal as well as her co-star per- co-star's portrayal as well they, yeah. they really carry the movie uh because there isn't a whole lot of plot or story to it to be completely honest yeah there, it's mostly taking place in the apartment mm-hmm. and uh it's all about inner conflict and then uh their reactions to each other yeah and and how richard's fantasies don't play out the way that he thinks they're going yeah, to yeah like well. the good and the bad exactly yeah yeah so I do want to just briefly like give you a kind of a, a bit of a scope into Marilyn Monroe's life. As a side note, this is a really good timing for you and I to be putting this podcast out because there's a, a Marilyn Monroe movie coming out, I believe on Netflix in the next month of September, uh, star- starring Anda de Armas. And it's supposed to go into like the backstory of her life. And I'm really, hmm. I'm actually really excited about it after reading all of this. I really hope they do her justice. Yeah. Um, and and the tragedy around her life the the kind of some of the people that she hung out with that that unfortunately maybe caused some of her the problems that she had as yeah, well yeah um because she was born uh norma jean mortensen uh and norma jean is is probably another name that you may have heard before and didn't connect the two and and she had a, a really rocky childhood um she grew up i believe in foster care because her her mother was uh, 
had some mental issues, wasn't fiscally like able to support her as a child. Um, so that definitely had an impact on her as a child. And then get, getting married at 16. Yeah, that was also really uh, like a, it, that situation did not work out very just well. A whirlwind of a childhood. Yeah, um, she was married to um, Joe DiMaggio, which was he was a really important baseball player mm. in the fifties, and he and her unfortunately had a very tumultuous relationship as and well. Very much in the public eye. Very much in the public eye, and that's the other thing to kind of bring up is is Marilyn Monroe is such an iconic figure in our culture and pop culture now but even then at that point in time she was like the person like the paparazzi would have been following her at all times people were constantly like scrutinizing her Mm. life around this time of like in the 50s when her movie came out she had actually done some nude photos uh, and that was kind of before she had gotten really famous and those nude photos were actually sold without her consent to Playboy, and yeah. that was what Playboy used to actually kickstart the whole Playboy empire. So there's some controversy there as well. And she had other, like, she had a lot of mental struggles, like she struggled with depression and mood swings, and and a lot of other probably stuff things going on. that were un like unexplained or unknown back yeah, then. Yeah, undiagnosed. The 50s. Yeah. a lot of issues there, and and unfortunately um she ended up passing away at the age of 36 in 1962 and of a probable over or of a definite overdose of a probable suicide mm-hmm. so a very unfortunate life cut way too short and it's unfortunate that we continue to repeat this cycle of yeah. her life i might have gone into this too far cuz now i'm just sad again. yeah 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 <laughs> but Anyway, that so, that's yeah, like her her character in the movie, like she plays it very well. She's like a very bright, bubbly girl, and um, yeah, it was very essential to this being a good movie. Yeah, yeah, I, it pretty much rested on her because we really only have the two main characters and a mm. lot of supporting characters. Yeah. It really rested on on their performances and. I was really engrossed with her performance, like, every time she was on screen. Like, she just has a very interesting presence yeah, uh, like, that I really appreciated. She fully understands, like, her character, I feel. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to our other main character, Richard Sherman. He is the ad executive, or um, not ad executive. He He's the editor for paper, yes, he's- like, 25-cent books yeah he's a publishing executive yeah yeah and it, it kind of gives you madman vibes as well because it's kind of in that time period he's mm. got a similar role to what don draper would have and he has like a secretary and then uh, yeah it's like in new he york does, he does all the work not his bosses kind of thing exactly yeah and so he's played by tom ewell 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 all right <laughs> We'll uh, we'll have to figure out what that. We'll have to figure it out, or you'll have to figure it you out. You will. Tom Yule. Tom Yule. There we go. Uh, <laughs> and he's actually reprising his role from Broadway for this. So mm-hmm. spoilers: this is actually an adaptation from a very popular in the fifties uh, Broadway act called The Seven Year Itch, which notably was not a musical and not really a very musical movie either. Yeah. But it was 
I don't want to spoil the comparison of the movie to the Broadway play. Uh, we'll talk about yeah, a little bit more details later. Tom Ewell, you probably don't necessarily know if you haven't seen this movie because he this is his most important film and the one most centered around his career. He was extraordinarily popular and important to Broadway and won a number of Tonys. So unless you're into uh, 50s Broadway, you might not have heard of him prior to this. But he was also in a few other films that I do want to highlight because he does have an interesting film career. Um, He was in the musical comedy, The Girl Can't Help It. And I've never heard of this before, but apparently it's one of the most influential movies to rock music in the 60s. Wow. Yeah, very interesting. Hmm. Um, Specifically to The Beatles and Elvis. Apparently, John Lennon watched this movie and it blew his mind as a teenager to the point where he wanted to make music influenced by this movie. So really cool. That's crazy history right there. Yeah, really cool history that I had no idea about until I started researching for this podcast. I really want to watch that movie now. Um, He was also in the original Great Gatsby movie. Mm, Wow. Believe in the 70s. And then he was the other movie that I was just going to quickly highlight was Easy Money, uh, which is a Rodney Dangerfield movie. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's his kind of first big movie after Caddyshack. Huh, okay. That's Uh, that's pretty fun. Yeah, so, and apparently it's a pretty decent comedy. Like, uh, Rodney Dangerfield is known for just having such, like, a great presence that I I think he kind of carries the movie himself, (laughs) more or less. But I think that's something we, I could also be very interested in checking out at some point. It seems like Tom Ewell is a little typecast as well. Like, he's known for... The Seven Year Itch, Adam's Rib, and The Girl Can't Help It. So it's all like ma- male versus female right. centric things up there, at least. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked by that by any <clears throat> means, um, especially with how important this movie is to his filmography, yeah. like how, how he might have gotten typecast. And then his character, like he's uh, he's completely straight the whole time. Like his uh, Like he's not silly or like over the top or anything. Like he's a very... He is over the top in certain ways, but like, he's like a straight faced kind of guy. Yeah. Normally, I like he's he's a straight laced kind of guy, but at the same time, like I would argue that he does get pretty like weird and, yeah, and crazy yeah. and out there. It's all in his mind though. It's like, and and that's where. Oh, um, yeah. What? Oh yeah, like that's that's like the biggest thing to mention that is a could be dated. It is kind of dated. They yeah. didn't know how to do it but he has a lot of inner monologue yes. that isn't inner it's he's talking to the camera yeah and that's where along. like i that's where i first got the sense of like oh you know what this is probably like some sort of play or something like adaptation yeah, yeah. and that's where like i said we're gonna date get into the the medium of this movie and whether or not it fits better in a screenplay in a, in a play format and spoilers i think it does but yeah we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail when we get to the spoiler section um, there's is a couple other people I did want to mention. Um, Helen Sherman is uh, Richard Sherman's wife. She plays a minor role in the film. Like she's obviously very important to the character of Richard and his motivations. But she's not like uh, she's not in the film a significant amount. But she is played by Evelyn Keys, who is a very important actor and is known for her role in Gone with the Wind, which is one of the most important films of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she plays Solon O'Hara in that movie. Okay. 
Um, a couple other very interesting minor notes. Uh, Victor Moore plays the plumber. You probably never heard of that name. He was born in 1876. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he Talk- wasn't, he was old in this movie. This was his so. last film role. Wow. Um, and just, just somebody from a different time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild to think about. Yeah. That's crazy. Carolyn Jones I can't remember who she played in the movie, but she actually played Morticia Adams in the original 1964 Adams Family show. Okay. So, cool wow. connection yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. The Adams Family was pretty important to my childhood. I watched a lot of the TV show and the movies. I remember it being on, like, so much as a kid. It was just, like, the 90s, early 2000s. Like, the Adams Family was huge. Yeah, I, it's been an important part in American culture for a long yeah. time, actually. Like, I didn't realize that it was... Uh, it's based on a cartoon series from around that era. Hmm, okay. And then the Billy Wilder is the director. And Billy Wilder is a really important director, Um however his his filmography was kind of in that time that you and i don't necessarily cover or know as well like the 30s Mm. uh through like the 60s i would say was is when he was most prominent it has a has a really interesting film list uh he did double indemnity which is an extraordinarily famous and popular movie from the 40s which is something that i personally want to watch at some point yeah i've heard so much about it but yeah, I'd love to see that. Also has Sunset Boulevard. Also Some Like It Hot, which is the other film that we're going to talk about. And I'm really excited to watch that. Probably be watching that shortly after this podcast episode. And a couple other lesser known films, but very prominent director of that time period. Hmm. One more person. I don't know if you, I think you said you don't have much on them. Oscar Homolka. Uh-huh. He is the uh, the doctor in this, and uh, I just loved his like small little role. His his portrayal was just really fun because he was obviously like a very um, like to the point like doctor like right. In, but everything he said was like pretty funny because like their interaction was great on screen. Yeah, and uh, he has been in so many movies. 101 acting credits. Wow. And, and this is probably later in his career, right? Based yeah, on his age. Uh, he has... This is right in the middle, really. Interesting. Yeah, like he has a lot from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And then... But he started in 1920. Cool. So he has... Um, he's So he would have been in some like silent movies then as well. Like that's what he would have started potentially, his career. Yeah. He, I think he started mostly in on, uh, on stage... And then um, worked his way into movies. Uh, he was also in War and Peace, nineteen fifty six War and Peace. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, and then one of I think he he received a award for I Remember Mama, which I have never heard of. Nineteen forty eight, but it, it was apparently pretty big. Cool, very fun character. I I just really liked like his role in this yeah the he had a, a really small part but it was very memorable it was a very memorable scene yeah, and the yeah. interaction that he had with uh richard yeah so who is this movie for the movie itself the genre that it allegedly fits into is a romantic comedy i wouldn't necessarily peg this as a rom-com necessarily not like, as we know it no yeah it, like this is not the traditional but- rom-com that you've grown up with the last 30 years i would say it's basically just a comedy 
Yeah. Like, there's not much more to it. There's not... Like, there's there's a little bit of romance involved, yeah. but it's... But it's like an old-fashioned... Well, no, it's like an old-fashioned prudish, prudish yeah, it's, romance. And, but, and part of the problem with that is actually because of uh, the way that studios in Hollywood worked at that time. There were certain things that you couldn't have in movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later because I, I really dove into that and found that fascinating. But the, like, the only romantic part about it is just like where Richard's trying to be kind of suave in his yeah, uh, yeah. in his imagination and like when we see like him trying to push women away in those first uh yeah, scenes. dream sequences mm. and then on the flip side like when Marilyn Monroe is on set like that she just brings that presence yeah, that you're just like yeah. you re- you really are hanging on to every word she says but I wouldn't say that's romantic necessarily no like more of yeah. like a lust <laughs> yeah yeah and that kind of fits with this like yeah i would say it is mostly just a comedy other so, than that who, yeah who is this for I, everybody should watch a marilyn monroe movie i think just because yeah nobody knows about her and like one of our favorite bands uh, the glorious sons yeah like has a song where they're like like that somebody like yeah he no, mentions it, there's like, a there's a there's a verse yeah about marilyn monroe and, and how, she's, how nobody's seen her movies yeah, yeah and how yeah. she's so culturally important but at the same time like nobody really appreciates her for what she did but Bes- yeah besides her like beauty or something like yeah that. exactly she was and important like, in so many ways and that was there's a lot centered around her beauty, but yeah, it's what she did with it. Yeah, I think. yeah, exactly. And um, this and is she, where this is where you get to see that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she was actually very important to like women in film as well. Like she mm. advocated for herself in a lot of films. Yeah. And there's a lot of decisions that we'll talk about and later. And actually, that yeah, that started in 1955 after this movie mm-hmm. when she started really fighting for um like equal or like yeah equal pay and things like that yeah exactly so that was something that i missed in my initial discussion but i do have it a little bit later everybody should watch the marilyn monroe movie i don't know if this is the one to watch yeah yeah. i don't think this is a movie for everyone yeah if everybody watches two marilyn monroe movies (laughs) this should be the second (laughs) yeah i think i'm happy to have watched it first because i think the second movie is the one i'm gonna remember yeah so who is this movie for then? We we're saying that this is not a movie for everyone. I think if you're a fan of the theater, um, yeah. and you've gotten through a lot of the classics already during COVID, um, like mm-hmm. Jess and I watched Hamilton, and we watched a couple other ones. I can't Cats? remember. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we watched all of the cinematography buttholes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that this is kind of an interesting stay at home but go to the theater kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's notably not a musical, which is very interesting coming from a theater. I Mm. haven't seen a lot of uh, theatrical plays that haven't been musicals, but it's kind of neat there. That's who this movie is for, essentially. I would would say maybe like whoever's into fashion just for mm, her like icon in fashion. Yeah, her dress is very important to movie history and fashion history in the film. The other, I guess the other thing I'll say is if you're interested in the 50s and what 
50s life yeah, looked like yeah. visually. This is a really cool movie because it I takes agree, place yeah. in, in New York in the 50s. Yeah, and it's like not a like super upscale like uh fancy like yeah. uh f- like fanat or fantastical kind of like rich 50s look. Yeah. It's like an everyday man or every everyday person kind of Experience. Yeah, it's not like friend-sized apartment building like huge. Yeah. Like it's actually really fascinating and this plays an important part in the movie that the apartment that he lives in was actually used to be a a big uh, townhouse. Yeah. And then they just essentially covered over the, the stairs, stairs yeah. to separate it into multiple apartments and so he still has a stairwell and I was really confused by that when they first like when we get introduced to his yeah. apartment. I did think his his room must have been upstairs but we didn't see him go up at first and then no. that whole plot and they yeah. decorated the stairwell like I like yeah. that was what drew my eyes. So I was like why did they decorate the stairwell the way that they did and that's because it was it was a decorative stairwell, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's other like little things that I just noticed where I was like, you know what? That kind of reminds me of my grandparents' house mm. and, and stuff like that. It's just, it has a nostalgic 50s vibe to it. Yeah. And if you're kind of interested in that era, yeah, it's and kind like of neat. New viewing. York, if you're like yeah. interested in New York, especially in the 50s. Yeah, it's it's a cool time of film. Yeah. And this represents the time well. Yeah, and the last, I guess, thing that I'll note here is that, like I said before, Anna de Armas is starring in an, it is a Netflix film coming out September 23rd called Blonde, and so if you are maybe, uh, want to get up on your Marilyn Monroe history a little bit, or like before the mo- the movie comes out, or maybe after the movie, you're kind of more interested in seeing like her authentically. Mm-hmm. Um, then this could be something that you could check out. Yeah, definitely. When to watch? I I kind of described that already. Like if you like this again, probably a Sunday afternoon flick. Like if you're interested in seeing a theater play but can't go to the theater for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, maybe this this could be like a lead-in to a rom-com night yeah potentially like a friday night or something like that where um like it's not too heavy it's not too intense of a rom-com it's funny it's enjoyable yeah but then maybe you'll get into like more of like the harder hardcore rom-com yeah like as it's i a, like to call it's a pleasant <laughs> yeah. watch it doesn't require you to think too hard yeah, like yeah there's like, you know, there's not like that, I don't know, that rom-com formula that was developed in sometime in the 80s where mm. it's like guy or girl falls for other guy or girl yeah. and and then there's some sort of conflict at the end of the second act. And, and then it's they like, fall in love yeah. and she doesn't go with the guy that she had before and she comes to the hero. Yeah, all that bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know what? This is like realistic in a certain sense. Yeah. Because... Uh, it's kind of like going into the mindset of what people think of guys imagination and then like girls reactions. It's there's cliches that they're playing with. Yeah. They're not exactly perpetuating them because it doesn't work. Well, and there's even like a similar storyline in the Mad Men series with a 
one of the more important characters, Pete Campbell, which I, I thought of when I watched this and thought, you know, that's really interesting that another show around this time mm. would also be exploring this kind of concept. Mm. Um, and the seven-year itch itself, like when we talk a little yeah. bit later about the legacy of this, that becomes a rather interesting psychological uh, idea yeah, the, in the 60s and 70s. That did start with this, yeah, of course. exactly. Yeah. So where to watch, it's not currently streaming anywhere, but you can rent it on any number of platforms. Uh, if you want to check out where to find it, just go to Just Watch and you can find one of those streaming platforms to rent yeah, it off. Just of. Watch Canada if you're up here with us <laughs> or Just Watch as it is itself. Yeah, you crazy If you're Canuck. elsewhere, yes. Bad. Um, all right, we'll cut her off there. Uh, spoiler free as possible. Let's dive into the film in more meat and potatoes after this quick break. All right, we're back. Uh, so let's talk themes really quickly. Um, so the seven year itch, let's dive into that idea yeah. at first. Uh, so the seven year itch, the idea behind that is that. After seven years of marriage is kind of the where your relationship maybe starts to like fizzle out some of the the romance, the excitement, the magic. everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything's gotten so like to a point where potentially you feel like it's mundane and yeah, um, you get the into mind your start, the mind and the eyes start to wander. Yeah, exactly. And so that idea is that as a man that you might start uh, looking towards other women or in this case, very particular to this movie in the fifties that men would send their wives and children to summer camp all summer long off of uh, off, yeah. Manhattan yeah. and would, that would be their time to play and do stupid stuff up, and I'll cheat. And, get up to some debauchery. Yeah. And what's really interesting about the seven year itch, was that this idea was actually popularized by the movie. Yeah. But it has some merit, actually, in science. At least, uh, I, I don't know if I would say it does for sure, because it became popular with psychologists at that time, yeah. and it was kind of perpetuated over time. I don't know. I, I didn't look up if, like, it's been, like, debunked or anything like that, like, with, with modern... So thinking, yeah. So it. I didn't, I didn't read into the modern uh, way of life, but through the fifties through seventies, the peak in divorce rates uh, actually happened around the seven year mark. Uh, it was like six point seven years or something like that, and then it actually levels off around ten years. So that's where the idea that that seven year itch, that longing for what you, I guess, lost your independence or whatever. Yeah, I have, um, I have a little thing just from wikipedia here yeah uh the seven year itch is a popular belief sometimes quoted as having psychological backing that happiness in a marriage or long-term romantic relationship declines after around seven years so it's like the concept of happiness yeah declines so whether or not that necessarily fits into the divorce thing is like maybe that's not scientific but like statistically yeah. it's around that seven year mark where a lot of divorces happen like that's the peak year in which a couple may divorce yeah so like the again the theory kind of explains like you've probably had one or two children within that time and then they grow up a little bit and you're like this life is so much cha like different than the way you and your spouse were 
at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of comes into it as well. Some of like the other themes, like around around like what men and women are like and how they interact with each other, they're a little outdated. Honestly, I don't. What what I would say is the um, what I love about it is this movie is the introspective look at the male ego mm-hmm. because what's the name Sherman? Yeah, Richard. Richard. Yeah. So um, of course you'd be Dick. <laughs> Dick Sherman. I don't know, uh, but uh, so, like the his ego as it's portrayed in his um, like monologues mm-hmm. is sort of kind like it's still relevant today because guys are always thinking like oh girls are always throwing themselves at me or like I'm I'm very attra- like the ego is always saying like I'm so attractive and it kind of like you have to have that mentality right and for some reason it, it seems like all guys are like kind of obsessed with that area and so they talk about it in a very cool way where they're just we're seeing men think in this like primalish way and especially in regards to women and same with like him like uh he like him fighting the like someone else like it's it's all like it's exploration of the male ego right Right. Yeah, that's that. And that's a good point. Like, that's a little timeless. Like you and I were talking about uh, during our break, like how really like the mentality of of human beings, like we've been we're anatomically like the same as we were 200,000 years ago. So a lot of that primal stuff Uh, anatomically. Yeah, anatomically. (laughs) So a lot of that primal stuff is still in our minds there. And so that's where some of this stuff is timeless. However, There, there's a lot of change in, in yeah. culture, I guess, from yeah. 1955. And the, I guess the other uh, theme or, or like the adultery side of things. Um, yeah, adultery and jealousy yeah. kind of yeah, intertwine. Yeah, um, so this movie is really interesting in the sense that if you really think about it, not a whole lot happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he, the whole movie is about whether or not Richard Sherman is going to cheat on his wife or not. Yeah. But he kind of does and he kind of doesn't, yeah. but like they don't really show much. Technically he does. Yeah. Like he but, kisses her, but like, was that like a romantic kiss or was that like, you know, well, what else kind of kiss uh, is acceptable in a relationship? There's debates about that yeah, at, like yeah. online, but What's really interesting about this is that in the 50s and prior to that, Hollywood had a code called the Hayes Code, which was a set of self-censorship guidelines. During that time, there were a lot of things that you couldn't show in any movies. Mm. Adultery was on that list of what you couldn't show. Interesting. So in the play, he actually does cheat on her and they have sex and then there's a whole like... The, really, that's what the play comes down to is okay. the repercussions of that. Interesting. And it, not just so in the movie, it's just him imagining it, him imagining the repercussions a little bit. Almost, yeah. But that's that's all that really happens. So yeah, they and, just couldn't portray that on film because of these laws, or right? Rules. And the humor was all related to that as well mm-hmm. in the play. Mm. So they had to they took significant chunks of the dialogue out okay. and had to retool it to fit into this code. Yeah. Um. So the code lasted to about 1968, and after that, that's when the MPAA rating system 
came into effect and that's what you and i know now yeah, is like yeah. the pg and the pg-13 and the r yeah. and stuff like that which is really fascinating to think about things uh prior to that as yeah, like yeah every movie had to be made for every audience yeah. essentially yeah um instead of grouping them in what makes way more sense now now you know maybe like something that's eight pg like maybe like those are kind of arbitrary as yeah, well somewhat yeah, but yeah. like but like you're not gonna system. yeah you're not gonna let a like 11 year old go into a r-rated yeah, yeah. exactly probably but, not like yeah but even then like there's debates over whether or not like nudity is worse than violence and, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that right but it's i think it's a lot less arbitrary than what they had previously i yeah. think that it makes a little bit more sense so this movie could have been so much better if it was yes. made if it was if those laws or those codes were just abolished right before or something like and that. And I think and I'm going to talk about this later, but I think that that's where if you ever get the chance or if I ever get the chance, I'm probably going to go check this out if I can find it at my local theater. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. the original screenplay. I actually couldn't find the original screenplay online without paying for it essentially uh, yeah. like i was really interested in reading that some of the dialogue and the plot of the play and just had a really hard time getting that online. that would be cool yeah however the film was banned in ireland still because it was ruled indecent and unfit for general exhibition wow so even with how cut down yeah, things yeah. were and uh honestly they so there's like a concept in like writing and different things where like coming up with an idea where you like uh limit like with within limitations there's a lot of experimentation to be had mm -hmm. and i think they did well within the limitations that were set for this movie yeah because it it gets you thinking a lot like it it implies a lot so yeah. you still get into this movie even though there, we don't have all of the stuff from the play yeah, which is really fascinating. Um, and what's really interesting as well at the time is that the critics at the time were actually critical of the point of them not exploring that ah. a little bit more detail as well, yeah. despite even them knowing about the Hayes Code and yeah, how that system yeah. worked. Hmm. Uh, so really fascinating point in history and in movie history. Uh, it's really This is a really pivotal time in all of that, and, and partially why this movie feels like an old movie yeah and it yeah. doesn't like it's not this is not a modern movie by no, any means yeah. so let's get into effects and filming because we're kind of dabbling into that so the film is actually uh filmed in technicolor which at the time was not the norm like uh, in the 50s we're still getting mainly black and white film um because that was and it wasn't because the color film was they weren't able to generate color film like the color film's been around since at least the 30s and maybe even longer than that yeah but it was just audiences preferred black and white for whatever reason at the time it was just it was popular i don't think they could have portrayed marilyn in i don't know she must have been in some black no she i don't think uh i don't know we'll have to see i there's a chance that a lot of the stills from like photos from the movie are in black and white so yeah. they might have shown it in black and white I don't think well. they were allowed to because, and this is really fascinating, Marilyn Monroe specifically had in her contract that her films would be in color because she thought that she looked sexier in color than in black and white. So she was maybe 
one of the pioneers to color film. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. She had an impact on so many things, but obviously on that as well. Exactly. Um, and again, this is what we were talking about before, how she was important to movie and history and, and culture and everything else. I think Some Like It Hot is in black and white, but I'm not 100% certain on that. Huh. Okay. But I get, we'll see pretty shortly, I guess. Yeah. So her iconic white dress. Yep. Set a record when it was auctioned for four point six million in two thousand eleven. Yes. So let's talk about that and talk about that scene. Because it's this is the most important thing that came out of the scene yeah. for culture is her they're in New York, they're on the streets, and the subway is underneath of them and there's the, those subway grates yeah. where the air kind of flows out. And so if you picture Marilyn Monroe, one of the things that you picture is her in that white dress and kind of like holding down her dress because it's blowing all up. Mm. And that is it. That's what happens in the movie. But like, it's way less iconic in the yeah, movie. They, they basically made the scene for that to happen. There yeah. was no other reason for the scene. Well, and it's lo- it's less like. Like, it just, she's like, oh, like, there's the, some wind coming up. Yeah, and then she it just, feels good on my feet or something. Yeah, and, and then, then it then, just kind of shows, like, the bottom half of her dress, like, close up, yeah. and they kind of blow up, and then yeah. they're kind of talking, and then she's like, oh, here it comes again. Like, yeah. it's not as sexual as as it as it's intended, later or, becomes, yeah. right? Like, the imagery yeah. around it, and there's actually that picture of her, I don't know if you saw that online, of, like, her, and, and they, they took the picture of that separate, where yeah. she's, like, holding down the dress yeah. and, like... It's it's really fascinating that something in the movie that that you would expect it to be like one way is yeah. very different from from that. Yeah, and like I tried not to go into this knowing too much yep. so that I could enjoy the movie fully, and um, I didn't know that this was in this movie mm. ahead of the time. I didn't look at the uh, poster. I didn't look at anything really. Yeah. So um, that was like cool. It was really cool to see it happen as it would have been like viewed back then but so like the uh the difference between her iconic white dress and then the audrey hepburn's little black dress that is from breakfast at tiffany's Mm -hmm. so like it's crazy that such like a black and white dress is so iconic but like there there weren't really little black dresses until Audrey Hepburn did hers in 1961 in breakfast at tiffany's Mm -hmm. and like marilyn Marilyn made that iconic. Right. This white dress. Yeah. So it's just like a cool little. It's really fascinating that some of these outfits in the 50s, because we also had Cary Grant's suit, right? In the 50s mm-hmm. uh, from North by Northwest, become so iconic and so important to yeah. future film and um, fashion. Yeah. And fashion. Yeah. Like uh, the dress itself has been actually referenced and worn in other films, like not the exact dress, but. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. In Shrek 2, Fiona wears uh, the, sh- the dress. Amy Poehler wears it in Blades of Glory, which is a oh, really funny movie. That's hilarious. And Anna Ferris as well in The House Bunny. And and there's a whole list of right, others. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I kind of remember that. Yeah, so a bit of legacy there. So Marilyn Monroe... Uh, we we talked about her life a little bit. Um, and so she was actually at this point in time she was going through depression while she was on set, and she also had a bit of a self destructive nature as well. Mm-hmm. And so she would forget her lines while they were filming often, and like muffle them. And and there there would be upwards of like forty takes to get one scene because yeah. they were really struggling with her as an actor. And yeah, I saw that the um. 
like she would be late and because of these behavioral mm-hmm. problems the uh budget like just blew up to yeah. 1.8 million which doesn't sound like a lot but at the time it was a lot a for a amount. film and yeah. and if you watch that movie it there's does not... not there's not that much going like no there's like, what are they spending the money on yeah it's not like big like scenes like it's not like um ben hur where you're getting ten thousand people together yeah, to like, film like some, how many horses yeah and, a coliseum yeah. size yeah. scene right like yeah. this is a pretty self-contained film like mainly taking place like you in said one in room. their apartment yeah, yeah. yeah I do really like the decision to make it small because yeah because anything else and the story wouldn't have been like they made the apartment small and everything like fit into one little lo- location mm-hmm. and that allowed the story which is fairly small to feel a little bit bigger and yeah. so that, so that you don't like get taken out of it like you're you're in this little apartment it fills and the it's room. a small yeah the, yeah. yeah exactly that's, that's a, a really great look at, look at that and it it is kind of a it's different. It's different from modern film, and it's yeah. it is kind of interesting to see it and how it's portrayed in that like, style. Yeah, like the biggest comparison to like a modern movie that is easily like comes to mind is the Hateful Eight, because mm, that's in a small right. like location. They only leave the yes. building a few times. It's yep. in one room. But Very, that had a huge story. Yeah, it had so, a big story. There's a lot of tension. Yeah. The dialogue's a lot sharper. Yeah, yeah, it's a more Quentin Tarantino yeah, but, like. Uh, yeah, but but it, again, movie, it's the limiting. The yeah. limiting of it made the story still big enough to fill the room. Well, and it's films like these that somebody like Quentin Tarantino would have studied while mm-hmm. he was growing up and becoming. Uh, what he is today like he yeah. he started out as a guy who just worked at a movie rental place and he saw so many movies and just had such that passion for mm. film and and something like this very well could have influenced the hateful eight yeah no uh, this just blew my mind what's this that separate Marilyn's character is 22 uh-huh guess how old she was in uh... this movie when when it premiered she was in her later 20s, wasn't she? Oh, I read that as 39. She was 29. Yeah, she's 29. Yeah. She looks like like just again about her um her beauty and the way she acts and like mm-hmm. like creates that character. Like she looked exactly 22. Yeah. But she's like 7 years older than that. And, right. And um yeah, she just amazing. Yeah, she's yeah, she really is like gorgeous yeah like yeah it, like that that it shocked me at certain yes. scenes i was like i was like i understand now yeah i understand so I. now i didn't before yeah i thought she was just like any other um uh, like 50s like model yeah or, or something or, like like even today's um like beautiful uh standards. celebrities yeah. yeah yeah like but like it's Every once in a while, it just hits you, and it's like, okay, I get why she yes. is so iconic. Yeah. Because, obviously, there weren't as many people at her level back then compared to, like, today. Today, there's, like, so many amazing people on film, hmm. uh, male and female, whatever. Like, everybody is, like, the the standards have gotten so high that there's so many, like, there's, like, hundred hundreds of actresses and actors that are at that level. Right. But to see her at that level at that time and, like, to think about that. Yeah, this... and, and she and she also knew how to use that and pivot yeah, that yeah. and, and 
work with what she had like yeah. i and i think i really appreciate that as well like mm. like i said she's very charismatic and that really comes through in her portrayal no what we haven't really talked much about the story we're only we referencing kind of a did, bunch a of bit, other things i guess like there's not really much more to the story about like is richard sherman gonna cheat on his wife yeah but like uh like so at the beginning this might have to be moved forward i don't know but Basically, the movie centers around Richard Sherman. He's in his apartment. He, he sends his wife and son off to vacation. Yeah. And he comes back, and he's just trying so hard. His voice, like, he, has, he keeps repeating, like... He's a very weak man trying to be, like... Strong, yeah. because his wife is gone, and every other guy in New York is apparently being, like, is, has accepted this yeah in his societal eyes standard yeah, yeah exactly in his eyes every other guy is off partying and uh like hooking up with yeah like girls and he's who better are left than behind. everybody else yeah and, and but he's also just like really is trying to be faithful to his wife yeah and she tells him like don't drink too much because the doctor said not to and don't smoke and he's like uh no no not me like i'm not yeah. like that i really liked his like repeated use of that um, so yeah, he, he goes back home then, oh, then he starts reading the book. Did you catch like the references of the book? Probably, but it's, uh, the, he's reading a book about the concept kind of of the seven year Yeah. Itch. And that's how he gets connected with the doctor later yeah, is yeah. because he's editing his novel essentially. Yeah, yeah. He keeps repeating like chapter three the base nature of men at a certain age and he or the base urges of men come out and like he doesn't get past that first section of chapter three right and he keeps repeating it and it's so essential to like what's going on and he, he can't read into it because he keeps getting distracted by exactly what he's reading about right right so that was fun so okay there's actually one other effects and filming thing okay. that you were talking about before. Right at the beginning, how he's talking to his wife and his kids there like uh, as they're leaving for the summer. And his son is dressed up like an astronaut. And so that, it, the whole setup there is it was from the TV show Captain Video and his Video Rangers. Which oh, is a yeah, TV yeah, show yeah. Super popular in he the He keeps 40s calling him like Captain. 50s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, really fascinating. This was like... A very, very culturally important TV show in the 50s mm. and actually influenced heavily Star Trek and was kind of the like the prequel to Star Trek almost. Predecessor, yeah. Yeah. And the show is lost to time. Wow. Because in the 70s, the studio wiped all of the episodes, deleted them all. There's only eight episodes known Shit. in existence. There's like 160 episodes of the show that were made. Oh There's only God. eight ever in existence, which is fascinating. Yeah. Like, crazy. That's such a cool story. Yeah, like, that think really of, is. Think about all the stuff lost to like history, right? And yeah. time. But like, just to, just to know of something, like I had never heard of this show before, but it was immensely popular at the time and it was destroyed. Yeah, like... I wonder how many other things like Yeah, it was were... common practice. Yeah, there's at the so time. many. Yeah. And now we're like, oh, I wish I had that. But now everything's on the on the internet, so that's great. Yeah, I wish I could find the quote to the like the third chapter thing. But anyway, so he's he's just trying to read his book. He's trying to be a good good guy. And then suddenly a tomato plant falls down onto his um oh no, he did see the girl earlier. Didn't yeah, he? they, they he saw were... the girl as she came in. Yeah. 
and um, had a little interaction, and he's like frazzled by it because she's so beautiful. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I'm going to be good. I'm not going to smoke. And then he goes out, tries to read, and then he has all of these conversations with his wife who like in an imaginative way like right their dream sequences yeah where he's he's basically like saying like uh, you think she's like oh you wouldn't cheat on me like you're like that's not you 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 couldn't do it even if you wanted to yeah. and he was like well baby women are throwing, throwing themselves, themselves at, at me, me constantly. Yeah, yeah and then we get some really comedic moments where he's like He's, like, so stiff. He's playing the character, like, so stiff. And these yeah. women are, like, literally throwing themselves on top of it. Yeah, and he's and like, he's no, like, you're not for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it is it is quite comical. And and that's where, again, that's where that, that conversion between, like, real life and, and what he's imagining. And that's, honestly, that's another theme or concept that that gets used in film and TV show very well in the future of, like... Yeah. What's real here and what's a dream sequence? And I think it gets used more effectively later, but this is maybe one of those early uses of that idea. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to dive too much. Like, we can talk about, like, our favorite scenes a little bit later and yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't want to rehash the whole movie, like, because we only have so much time. We're already, like, probably too much into this episode. <laughs> We are. We're way too much into this episode for how much we have left to talk about. Okay. All right. So let's move into score, which really not a whole lot to talk about here. The, the concerto. Yeah. Uh, Romanovsky. Pian- piano whatever. concerto number two by Romanov. Oh my God. I can't pronounce things. I'm trying to. Yeah. So the film really only uses two songs and they're not background songs they're actually important to what's happening in the story and so like you said it's pierre piano concerto and then uh richard and the girl play uh, chopsticks. chopsticks on the the piano a little bit later yeah um i will say though highlight scene for me is when he's imagining him playing on the piano yes. and he's being all suave and everything yeah, and it's, yeah. he changes his voice up for it yeah as well. he's all like suave like james bond and yeah, yeah yeah uh which which is one of my favorite quotes as as well and well i'll, I'll save that quote for the end um just say it now uh i, I don't have it written down so okay. i'm gonna have to find it never mind uh, we'll say it later <laughs> Yeah, there, there's not much to talk about here. Like, there, it's just it's used effectively. It's part of the film and the story of what's happening. But yeah, like the dream sequences probably have something leading no, into them. No, nothing. okay. There, like, there's really not a whole lot. I was of background. just gonna say. I was just gonna say that it, it mostly fades. Like, if there's anything, I didn't notice it really. Yeah. Besides it, the two songs. Yeah, like it's very fascinating that you. It's one of the few films that I've ever seen use score so minimally. Okay. Huh. Okay. So a look back at the times. I think we've talked about everything that I wanted to. Oh, did you mention the creature from the Black Lagoon, which is a movie that I have oh. always wanted to watch? Yeah, yeah. I've, I like it's. I always thought it was kind of like a just a Scooby Doo reference. No, it's like. A, but a culturally iconic movie from the fifties. Yeah, like I, I, well, I kind of feel like that's where Scooby Doo might have. When did Scooby-Doo come out? That's a good question. Because it seemed pretty old when we were watching it as a kid, some of the old stuff. Yeah, it was probably the 80s when the cartoon was yeah, playing, yeah. but I don't but know. Yeah. Anyways, we'll have to look that up. The Creature from the Black Lagoon. I'd like to see that before I die, maybe. Yeah, I think that... It's not high on my list, but like... if It's I'd... kind of a neat old school monster movie. Yeah, like... yeah, I, w- I would like to see it. Yeah, so do I. 
Uh, maybe we'll get it to it on the podcast someday. Um, so legacy, we've also talked about legacy quite a bit, uh, with the dress, what the seven year itch means. I want to say, I want to bring up the quote that Billy Wilder brought up, uh, in the seventies because he was, he was reflecting on this movie and, and the quote that he said was, uh, the film itself is a nothing picture because the picture should be, should be done today without censorship. Unless the husband left alone in New York while the wife and kids are away for the summer has an affair with that girl. There's nothing. Yeah. But you couldn't do that in those days. So I was just straight jacketed. It didn't, it just didn't come off one bit and there's nothing I can say about it except I wish I hadn't made it. I wish I had the property now. So he regrets even making it. Wow. Okay. Um, which is really fascinating. And that's again, where I really wish that I, I could see the play or even find yeah, something yeah. more online about the play. Hmm. So this has never come back to Broadway, but it has been used countless times in smaller theaters. Yeah. Uh, and most importantly, it was used, I believe, in London around the year 2000. And uh, Daryl Hannah played uh, the girl. Daryl? Daryl Hannah. Yeah, you don't know Daryl Hannah is? To me, he's a bearded guy who's like quite No, uh, like you thick. would know who Daryl... You know who Daryl is. How do you spell Daryl? Is it D-A-R-R-E-L? Kill Bill. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, like D A R Y L. Daryl Hannah. You know who Daryl yeah, Hannah yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Of course I do. But um, she was in the play. Is that we were saying she played in two thousand? Yeah, yeah. The two thousand version, in I believe it was London. London. Ooh, the other movies that uh the dress scene. So we talked about the dress and being copied, yeah, yeah. but the the dress lift scene has been referenced and copied itself. Um, and like the the imagery of what we expect it to be. Yeah. Uh. The two movies that I wanted to bring up were Frozen 2, because it's very recent, and Pulp Fiction, one of my favorite movies of all time, has it in the diner scene where they go to like that 50s like, yeah, yeah, yeah. diner thing. Yeah. So, good uses of that. And that, hey, there's our Quentin Tarantino reference. There Boom. we go. Yeah. Okay. So, he's definitely seen this movie before. There's 100%. no way he would include something without knowing yeah. the movie behind it. Yeah, like everything's important. Every yeah. little detail for, with him. Yeah. yeah it, like, I mean, it's culturally important, especially at that time, but yeah. like, he's still, I guarantee he's seen this movie. Yeah. The last point I did mention don't, Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe, they're, they're, uh, marriage was only nine months and it ended during the shooting of this movie and the oh, reason shit. for that is because he was such a jealous person and he was so angry about the fact that they uh, filmed that scene with his wife's dress blowing up uh, because there was actually like they filmed it like in New York yeah, the yeah. first shoot and there was a number of people there standing there watching it and cheering it on and everything and so they ended up getting in like a, an actual fight uh, so a little bit of domestic violence there. Not great look for mm, Joe yeah. DiMaggio. And so she filed for divorce like a few weeks after that, which good on her for sticking up for herself. The things that they were talking about in the movie were kind of happening to her too, like with yeah. Joe DiMaggio. And yeah, that. like it was a little bit of a reflection of her um, being an attractive person yeah. and being like so focused on like, like her sexuality is like brought up in the movie multiple times and that's something that became like so central to her persona in hollywood yeah and uh honestly that legs scene too when she's hiding behind the uh oh yeah the chair i feel like that's been done like multiple times as well yep so sequels prequels and reboots 
obviously, like we said, it was adopted from a Broadway show. The Broadway show itself came out in 1952, and it ran for three years. So it ended right around the time that they decided to make the movie. There was a th- over a thousand performances of it on mm-hmm. Broadway. So pretty That's prolific pretty at the time. Huge, yeah. Yeah, never returned to Broadway, but like I said used countless times since uh personally i would actually really like to see that uh, especially now after watching the film tom ewell won a tony for the play Hmm. so good for him but yeah otherwise there isn't really much else to talk about this isn't a time where the studios are are thinking about ips or or turning things into franchises and trying to milk the ideas for as much as possible right so very different time in hollywood uh, so let's get into our personal review on the partner factor. Just I both watched this together on like an afternoon as like kind of a quirky afternoon flick. Yeah. She afterwards was like, nah, like it was okay. Like there, yeah. there isn't really anything there. She was yeah, kind of the same opinion. Annabelle didn't want to watch this because of that same idea. There's like, she had already seen it. Oh, um, okay. Like a long time. Like I think she watched it in like a film class or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Yeah, like it's like I get why it's like she's iconic and everything, but the film actually doesn't have that much meat to it. Like there's nothing. Right. There's no. There's not that much story. Yeah. Like I enjoyed it. I got. I get into everything, so yeah. I still enjoyed it. I yeah. So I enjoyed it for what it was. Like yeah. I enjoyed it for an adaptation of a play where. The characters speaking out loud there and providing that exposition as somebody who goes to theaters and sees that, like yeah. I'm more used to that. Um, so it doesn't, it didn't stand out to me as much. Like obviously it stood out, but I was like, okay, this is just what they do in a play. Yeah. I understand yeah. why they're doing this and portraying this way. Something very small that I really did actually enjoy was the opening narration. I don't know how much yeah. you noticed that, but it had like it was kind of comedic. It reminded me of Brendan Fraser's George of the Jungle okay. kind of narration. Interesting. It gave yeah, me yeah. those kind of vibes. So if if you ever end up do watching this again, like pay attention to that open those opening sequences yeah, because yeah. I thought I found them really funny and entertaining. Hmm. Uh, I was trying to figure out if honestly, it, like, there's a lot of good humor in this. Yeah, it's not it's bad. Not, you're not gonna be rolling around laughing, mm-hmm. but you're like it's it's good. Like like you're chuckling. And, yeah. Like there's heartwarming and there's silly and there's like crazy it's it's got quite a bit to it for not having much yeah yeah it's like i almost want it like i would say it's like a seven out of ten or something like that yeah i'd probably give it like a six and a half out of seven yeah, if i had yeah. to like rate, rate it like, like i enjoyed it for yeah, what it was and yeah. that's the sticking point is you have to enjoy it for what it yeah. was don't go in thinking you're about to see some crazy epic film like ben-hur or yeah, something like yeah, that yeah. it's a very small self-contained movie it, it knows what it is, and it's not trying to be anything more than that. Yeah. Let's talk quotes. Um, so the one thing that uh, I said earlier is that uh, Marilyn Monroe's character is just named the girl and isn't actually named at all during the movie. Mm. However, Richard actually says at one point while he's on the phone, like, well, maybe I have Marilyn Monroe in the kitchen yeah, sarcastically, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is really funny. And I looked it up and that's actually what they did in the play. So that's, ah, they brought okay, that on the yeah, play because yeah. she wasn't a part of the play, yeah, right? Of course, yeah. Um, but she was still an iconic person I, at that I point I noticed time. that and I wrote it down, but I, I don't have my notes here. But yeah, like that, that was great. That's one of my favorite lines from the film. Here's another one that I liked. Uh, like... 
in Richard's fantasy, mm-hmm. he was imagining, I think, his um, his secretary. And, like, he's imagining this whole scenario where um, she's, like, in love with him. And he's, uh, she's like, what is this strange animal thing you have? It bothers <laughs> me. It's bothered me since the first time I saw you. And it'll bother me always from here to eternity. And he's like, you must fight it, Elaine. Remember, I belong to another. And like that, like that, like all of those scenes were very fun. Yeah. Because it's exactly like, it's like leaping into someone's imagination when they're dozing off and thinking like, I'm so great. Yeah. And (laughs) like, I'm sure a lot of people have had a daydream like that at some point in their life where they're just like, yeah, I'm pretty cool. Um, And like, there are people who like, you know, I've had to turn down or whatever. Um, one of my favorite like scenes and moments, like I said before, is that piano scene in his imagination and he stops playing and she's like, why, why did you stop playing? And he's like, I'm going to lean over and I'm going to kiss you now. And just the way he says it is so violently and wetly or whatever he says. Yeah. I can't find the exact quote, unfortunately right now, but it's, uh, (laughs) it was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. Things from her, like when like she was calling everything elegant like she played it so like cutesy Mm -hmm. and it worked so well but uh just to go back to like his fantasies Mm -hmm. um this isn't a quote but uh like when you there's a common thread that comes up on reddit Uh and it's um like it's usually a, a woman asking like what are guys thinking about when they just zone off in like stare into space and um then when like i bring them back to they're like oh i wasn't thinking about anything like it was nothing yeah this is that movie yeah. in this in like one area because half the time you're imagining like oh uh, like if zombies showed up how would i protect like my right. house or like how like what would happen and then yeah. the other half is like women <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, True. so like that's where it has some real real like basis in reality i think yeah one of my favorite scenes as well is when they're both having their outer inner monologues in the like in the same room together and they're both like on very different lines of thinking. Yeah. Um like she's thinking about I can't even remember exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. She was thinking about bringing back the fan. Yes. Like can I bring that fan back and he's like um like we're just animals. Yeah, and and, like, and they're having like these outward very different like lines of yeah, thought yeah, basically. Yeah. I really enjoyed that because it kind of goes back to what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. It's like how how we're just having these dumb thoughts at, yeah, at times and, like, and and women are like, you know, like in in this situation Marilyn Monroe is thinking about like logical like yeah stuff about her life <laughs> yeah like like she's bored with what like he's just rambling on about some like bullshit yeah but he's he and like i think this is kind of like uh i want to say that like men have just like a warped version of romanticism because he's he's trying to be romantic right in a very male centric like male egocentric way right because he's like that's that's what would be romantic to a guy with that type of ego he's like we're just animals and like she's like um like i paid 325 for that fucking fan <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it didn't even work it, yeah. did, it didn't even work it's so freaking hot in yeah. uh, new york in the put, summer she had to put her uh undies in the ice yeah, box yeah yeah yeah, there's some 
again, that's where there's some like weird and cool like old school stuff yeah, in here, like the yeah. old style fridge. The cabinets were what I was imagining because I was like, yeah. oh, like those little cabinet doors. Like I've seen those before. Like my grandparents have those little like those little like metal cabinet doors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like little minor stuff. Like probably I don't know how many people actually would notice something yeah. like that. But like uh, I found the quote from the girl when she's doing that. Um, like thinking about the fan thing, mm. she's like, maybe if I took the little fan, put it in the ice box, <laughs> yeah. then left the ice box door open, then left the bedroom door open, and soaked the sheets and pillowcase in ice water. No, that's too icky. And like I remember her, like she was so. Like, she acted that so well. Like yes. Like, she draws you in. Yeah, and she's so engrossed in it, and yeah. you get engrossed in that conversation yeah. as and well. and, like, even, like, and the way she... So, I was thinking, while she was saying that, I was thinking about, like, why that wouldn't work, and, like, how yeah. she would have to do it differently and yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, So, I got on the same mindset as her. Yeah. I kind of got lost in what Richard was saying, and was, like, more focused on her and yeah. the icebox. Oh, I wanted to talk about Dr. Brubaker. Yes, you did. This is just... I just see, like, a quick quote here, and... Richard's like, I don't think I have the itch. Or he's like, wait, maybe I do. And then Dr. Brubaker is like, uh, when something itches, my dear sir, the natural tendency is to scratch. And Richard's like, last night I scratched. <laughs> um, and uh, just, yeah, like Dr. Brubaker's scenes were just so good to me. Mm-hmm. Like he was a great actor and like who, like nobody knows him really now. Yeah. But he did a great job and... Yeah, just like his, uh, Richard's twitching finger, that scene. Yeah, like, and and he, he's like study. He begins studying him, but he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ah, I gotta go. My time's like, yeah, my yeah. time's up. Uh, yeah. Good luck, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, that's one of those um, tropes almost that you get with uh, with doctors and therapists and stuff later. Yeah. In Elmer, it's like, yeah. ah, sorry. Like, yeah. you'll have to sort your shit out next time. Yes. <laughs> Call and set up an appointment. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I don't I don't know if I have too much else that I want to talk about. I like those are all the best quotes like the stuff that you oh. chuckle at, you almost have to watch it to like understand the comedic moments. Yeah. When she's dipping the chips in the uh champagne. the champagne yeah. was kind of like comical as yeah. well. Um I really like the vegetarian restaurant. It's hilarious that they were making fun of it that hard back then. <laughs> Like they were like they had like a, signs up on the wall mm-hmm. and one of them was like like prime ribs of celery and like <laughs> uh like like they had like a really gross his- depiction of like spinach in a certain way right and then they were telling him like your meal today was only 236 calories right like yes. I, I was like in the 50s yeah they already were doing i had that? the same thought yeah that was that was crazy yeah like, i didn't think that was i thought that was so much more modern in like art in the timeline of like health stuff yeah that blew my mind yeah yeah Uh, other quote thing here with the uh the doctor um this is the between richard and the doctor is he's like tell me doctor are you very expensive and he goes very he says i'm sure you occasionally make exceptions he was like never Never. he's like well i mean once in a while a case must come along that really interests you and he's like for 50 dollars an hour all cases interest yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that like Everything with him, I love. Is is really sharp, yeah. Yeah, this is the quote that he kept saying at the beginning. 
He's like, oh no, not me, not me, and I'm not gonna smoke either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he keeps throwing his smokes up on yeah. top of the. He, he locked the key. He threw the key up on top of his bookcase. Right, right. And oh, I his... thought he kept throwing smokes up there. I was confused no, no. by that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the key to his drawer. Oh, to his, his then, cigar box yeah, or cigarette the, box. Yeah, and then um, like the girl was so confused by it and he's like uh, like yeah i'm trying to quit they they say not to keep cigarettes in sight but now i just end up going up and down these stairs all day yeah this, this ladder all day yeah okay i think we've we've gotten through a lot of really funny bits this is part one of Marilyn monroe month uh, yeah and i'm ecstatic to see uh some like it hot i'm really excited about yeah, it yeah i'm pretty pumped i'm pretty excited to see some performances from that as well um i've i watched tony curtis recently uh this will be my second tony curtis film so i'm excited to see him again i've heard really great things about the movie as well i've heard that it actually holds up so i'm excited to be the judge of that yeah. myself like yeah i'm really excited too because it, like this almost held up yeah. If it was fully fleshed out, it 100% would have. Yeah, I think if, if we had, had gotten the, the original screenplay, comedy, and direction, that yeah. it would have been more iconic. Yeah, I agree. But but this is what we got, because Hollywood was at a very strange point in time. But anyway, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did part one. I'm enjoying learning about Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, me too. I feel like everyone should know so much more about all of these people but yeah. i know it's like a specific niche little area just knowing about actors and actresses and yeah. obviously we're getting into that but it's really fun like this is kind of like why we do the podcast because it's like oh did you know that this person from yeah. this movie did that yeah i and feel like, like i'm oh, beginning wow. to understand culture more yeah i'm yeah. becoming a more cultured person yeah at least within a certain area, for sure. North and America, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we get a little bit outside. And then yeah, we're, uh, well, we'll and I'm always that. excited to watch our foreign films yeah, as well. Yeah, but yeah. that's the podcast. That's the episode. Yeah. Thanks so. for listening, and uh, we'll... Catch you on the next one. Yes. Some Like It Hot. Very excited. Check it out before. Yeah, go watch it. Yeah. I don't know where yet, because I haven't looked on Just Watch, but... Yeah, we'll just check Just Watch. Yeah, just check Just Watch. Good call. All right. <laughs> Pay us just watch. <laughs>